0: Wow, Jesus, alive in me. He takes that which was dead and he makes it alive. What a mighty God that we serve. It is incredible. When I was about, oh, two or three years old in the Lord, I was on staff at a church, a little part-time youth director, a little traditional Southern Baptist church, nothing happening, about 10 students in my youth group. And then one Wednesday night in our youth worship, in a little room up in the corner of the gym building, God began to move. I'd never experienced it. I wasn't sure what was going on. But God began to light up some people. He began to revive us. And the next week, there were 15 students. And the next week, there were 20 students. And we had to find another room. And I was watching with trepidation because, again, I had no experience. I I was only about three years old in the Lord. I couldn't rub many Bible verses together. I didn't know much. But God was reviving. He was doing something significant. We moved to another room. And now we are baptizing students every weekend. And then another weekend there's 30. And another weekend there's 40. And the next week there's 50. 50. And then students started coming by my office after school saying, hey, so-and-so told me if I would come by your office, you would tell me how to be saved, and I would lead him to the Lord. And It was incredible. It was, it was life-altering and life-changing. It changed the trajectory of my life. We were, we, we had a little, There we were a big middle section and two small side sections, and the teenager sat in the far back right corner. And then the teenagers moved to the front right corner, and that began to grow on Sunday morning. People began to notice God was doing something. What well, was 10, now we're 50 and 60 and 70 and 80 on Sunday morning. And then when an invitation would be given, 40 or 50 students would come and they would lay prostrate at the altar begging God to save their friends. And then a few minutes later, hear their friends they were praying for would walk down the aisle and, and give their hearts to Jesus. On Wednesday, 75 turned to 90 and 90 turned to 100 and we had to move to another room. We began to really lock the doors so that the adults wouldn't leave the adult service and come to the student service because I knew that would bring pandemonium. What I did not realize was pandemonium had already broken out. See, when when life, when revival comes, you sort of had to make a choice. You're either going to get in are you going to get out? The pastor did not tell me that the deacons were angry that the invitations were going so long and it was holding church over and they weren't getting out early enough. He never told me that because I wasn't very spiritual and I'm pretty sure I'd have killed some people back then. <laughs> 75 and 80 to 100 and 100 turned to 125 and the principal of Ottawa High School called and said, Hey, I don't know what's going on, but the whole high school's in an uproar. Would you come speak to the high school? I was so young, so terrified, so inexperienced, I said yes, and got another pastor to go in my place. <laughs> I was scared to death. Scared to death. People are starting to call me, churches from all over the state, asking what was going on, and I, I wouldn't, I literally refused to talk about it. I was so scared. And my fear was it would stop. 125 became 150, and now every Sunday morning and every Sunday night, the invitations are lasting 45 minutes, and people are being saved, and the principal called me again and said, I need you to come back and talk to the school. It's worse, because it was ducker pucker. The Christians were kissing, and the non-Christians were angry. See, light, revival shines light. And it was it was one of the most incredible experiences. And in about 150, God cut the spigot off. Now, I don't know how to cut the spigot back on because I didn't cut it on to begin with. Are you with me? So I had no control over the spigot. And years later, I went to speak for that pastor who left that church later, and I said. You know, Dr. Mace, I've been wondering, and I have begged God for an answer, why did the revival stop? And he said, oh, that's easy, Chris. Half the adults were mad. That's when I found out they were complaining about the invitations. And the other half gave you all the credit. See, revival's coming a Faith Promise, but it won't be because I cut a spigot on, because I don't have the power to cut the spigot on. I've been laying before the Lord for years, and now more intensely than ever that God would crank up revival at Faith Promise Church. I want you to walk in that light and that fire and that passion. But there's a cost. See, I love you. And as I intercede for you every day as your pastor and our staff intercede for you, our elders have been dealing with revival for about half a year now in our, our monthly meeting. Now, We so long for God to be exalted. I long for every campus to taste and see that the Lord, he is good. And I love you so much as your pastor that I want you to experience life like you've never experienced it before. God behind bars, you men. Bled so, man, come to see you guys. I, I want so much for you and so much for God. It's why I stay angry at the culture, frankly. Because the culture is the greatest distraction for us. We're so busy, we're so distracted that we'd even realize that there's this supernatural power of God and presence that we could walk in if we just took our focus of who's playing who and who, you know, who's who's getting elected, and all on and on and on and on and on, and all the stuff that we get so involved with. And we begin to lift Jesus up so high that nobody could miss him. Revival is a combination word. It's made up of two words, re, which is again, and vive, which is life. It is life again. It is the God life. It is what Jesus bought for us on the cross when he said in John 10, 10, I came to give you life and to give it to you abundant." And if we could just be so honest at all of our campuses and I could sit down with you, a cup of coffee, and look you right in the eye and say, Tell me, are you living the abundant life? Thousands of us would say, No, not really. I'm saved. I love Jesus. But no, I'm not experiencing that. I'm so sorry. I r- recall I was on staff we, with Michelle and I later left that church and they wanted me to be the pastor. And, I wanted to be the pastor. Michelle said, you know, Chris, you committed to go to seminary. We got to go. And I said, but, but I don't want to leave. This is incredible. She said, God's got a bigger door. You've got to go to seminary. So we left and went to Memphis. And there I opened a construction company. And for two years, I hammered nails and hung sheetrock and built additions and laid carpet and on, and on and on and on and on and on. And my last year, the church that we were at, Briarcrest, the pastor came and said, hey, would you come on staff? The church literally had just split the week before. It was in, the, it was in the, uh, the Memphis newspaper seven days in a row. It was the headlines in the Memphis uh, newspaper. And so I said, okay, I step in, do an evangelism, a student ministry, and that student ministry had about 250 kids drive down to about 10. And Michelle and I stepped in, but see, Michelle and I serve a big God. And our God is limitless. And we begin to pray. And the you, Some of you have heard story, the story. There were three visitors on a Sunday morning. The church had shrunk down a 4,000-seat sanctuary. Had shrunk down to about 200 people. So you could spot a visitor pretty easily. And the pastor said, God's doing something with those three guys back there, Chris. I want you to go find out what's going on. So I made an appointment. There, we, we used to do this thing called visitation. <laughs> oh, yeah. You've been there. I showed up, these three guys, and found out that on Saturday night, they had been smoking dope all night partying and reading the book of Revelation. (laughs) It is not an appropriate Bible study method, just in case you're wondering, (laughs) whether it's legal or not. And so I go, and two of those gentlemen, they were two 18-year-olds and a 19-year-old, two of those guys had graduated from our Christian school at Briarcrest, Two of them gave the heart to Jesus. One of them repented. And they said, if you'll come back next week, we'll have some high schoolers. I went back the next Tuesday night. There were 25 high schoolers, rank, hardcore heathens. It looked like a bull bullhaw. There was so much smoke in that room from cigarettes, I couldn't hardly see anybody. It looked like the tech people forgot to cut the smoke machine off. And man, that thing is just filled. All 25 of those high schoolers gave the heart to Jesus. They were at church all the next Sunday morning. They said... They said, if you'll come back next Tuesday, we'll have some more friends. So the next Tuesday, I went visitation and led 25 more high schoolers to Jesus. They all came that Sunday, and they followed Lord and Belie- Believer's batches. They said, if you'll come back next week, we'll I have 20 more of our friends. And I went back the next week of visitation, and I led 25 more of their friends to Jesus. Now that, that little youth group of 10 is 100. And God is doing incredible work and they called me the next week, said, You gotta come back again. I go back, the yard is completely full. They had dug a they had a six-foot hole by four feet. They had dug a grave and put a headstone on the headstone that said, Satan dies tonight. They threw their drugs in. They threw their drugs in, they threw their paraphernalia in, they threw satanic stuff in. And we had what what, what I call an Ephesians bonfire, because that's what they did in the book of Acts. At when Paul was building the church at Ephesus, and they, they burned all that. And God was doing incredible work until one evening, a bunch of those leaders were at our home where we were doing a Bible study, and one of them asked a question, hey, pastor, when do the adults go to visitation? I said, so, well, the adults, they don't go to visitation here, didn't it? Didn't understand the answer, no. Said, no, no, when do the adults go to visitation? I know the high schoolers, we go on Tuesday night. They'll go on Monday night. Well, I said, no, the adults don't go on visitation. And they said, when do the adults share Jesus with their friends? And I said, the adults here don't share Jesus with their friend, their friends. And it literally tore the heart out of that move of God. I've seen two flashes of revival. I've seen God set in to do incredible work. Duncan Campbell said this revival is a people saturated with God. Duncan Campbell tied with the the great Welsh revival. Richard Owen Roberts, another revival leader, said revival is indeed an extraordinary movement of the Holy Spirit producing extraordinary results. Now we have an incredible church, but folks, we have become church as usual. Years ago, nobody would miss a Sunday. People were afraid to miss because God was going to do something incredible. And now the average family at Faith Promise checks their kids in 1.2 times a month. That stinks. Now, I know there's a core of people here, probably 4,000, 5,000 that come almost every weekend, and man, you're hungry for God. And if that's you, I'm not talking to you. I love what Lyndon Ravenhill, it's my favorite all-time revival, quote, Lyndon Ravenhill said, the reason that Christians don't have revival is because we are content to live without it. Isn't it true? See, today in America, especially millennial students, young adults, they don't even know that revival is a possibility. It's been over 100 years since a great awakening in America. And so I'm praying Psalms 85 85.6. Would you not yourself, oh God, revive us again that your people may, that your people may, not in UT, not in Donald Trump or Barack Obama, not in Republicans or Democrats, not whether the stock market is at all time record higher, it has fallen to the depths, whether in an economic boom or an economic depression, no matter what, oh God, would you not revive us again that we, your people may once again rejoice in you. See, we're no longer awed by God, we're awed by sports and academic and money and athletics. Are, 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 are we okay? The 1700s, the first great awakening happened in America. It was an incredible move of God. Jonathan Edwards was sort of at the, at the forefront of that move, I, 1,000 churches were birthed on the eastern seaboard and over 100,000 people came to Jesus. A 100 years later, Jeremiah Lampfear, a businessman, by the way, not a pastor, called the men of his church and said, anybody would come by my business at 12 o'clock this week, we're gonna fast lunch and pray. Six men showed up. By the end of that month, there was 20 men. By the end of six months, there were 10,000 men on their faces praying and the second great awakening was birthed across America. I don't know about you, but man, I want to see a great awakening. Not so that I can enjoy the glory of God, but that millions and millions of people would pour into the kingdom of God. Now, I'm going to go old school, and oh, if you grew up in church, you're going to know this verse really, really well, because years ago when we had revival meetings, y'all remember that? Had a guest preacher, guest worship leader come in, y'all remember that? It used to be Sunday morning through Sunday morning, then it was Sunday morning through Friday night, then it was Sunday morning through Wednesday night, then it was Sunday morning and Sunday night, now we don't have them. I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. It, I don't think revival comes because we put a banner in the yard and we bring somebody else in to preach. But Solomon gives a formula to, to believers of what they can do when they have lost the life of God. Matter of fact, the glory has just fallen They've just opened the temple, one of the seven wonders of the world. Solomon is dedicated. The glory is fallen. The priests have to run out. Nobody can minister because the glory is so thick, everybody is on their faces terrified before a thrice holy God, Jehovah. And and when that service is over, God gives Solomon a word about what happens when you lose the life. But he said this. You're going to know you need it because you're going to be captive. When, when you sin and I let you be taken captive, God says... By another kingdom and you are taken as prisoners, this is what you were going to do. And can I tell you, I believe the church in America has been taken captive. I think some of us have been taken captive by the culture, by society, by business, by all these other things, by wh- whether UT wins or loses, by all that's going on. We're con- so consumed with the world that we've lost the vibe of God. Are y'all with me? And so Solomon in Second. Chronicles chapter 7 verse verse 14 If who are called by will do four things if they will and 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 then then and then alone will I hear from heaven will I forgive their sin and will I heal their land there's a New Testament verse in correlates Acts chapter 3, verse 19, and it says this, therefore repent and return. Repent means do a 180, so that your sins may be wiped away in order that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I like a refreshing. I like a supernatural, sovereign move of God that wakes up apathetic believers, that yanks up ca- complacent Christians and moves us to action. Are you with me? That we, that, can you imagine 20, 30,000 promisers that wouldn't miss a weekend service, and if they're gone, they're online? That's why we have it. Amen? Why? why? How would that happen? Terrified God would do something incredible, and you'll miss it. Does that make sense? I don't know how many years I was saved, years before I missed a Sunday morning. In fact, back then, it was years before I would miss a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, discipleship training, Sunday school, or visitation. Are you with me? Can you imagine if we had that today? 1.2 times we check our kids in. Can you imagine? So, so God said there are four things. That would, now, these four things are not, these are for God's people who are called by what? Who? Is there anybody in the house at any campus this weekend that's called by God's name? Anybody? Come on, somebody. Come on, God Behind Bars. Come on, Farragut. Come on, Campbell. Come on, Anderson. See, that's, that's who this verse is to. If this verse is not to people far from God. If you do not know God, your first step is not those four steps. Your first step is to give your heart to Jesus and then go to next steps because next steps is your next step this weekend. We'll have next step. It's the first fourth weekend that we'll have because we're about to finish our first run through. And this weekend is how to be set free from a self centered life and how to live large and in charge the way God intended for you to live. Some of you four things that God calls us to do, and I want to ask you in the name of Jesus to do these four things with me. Number one, humble yourself. That's what. That's the first thing that God called to. Why? That God that he told Solomon to call us to. Why? Because. Pr- because pride ruins our walk with God. How does that happen? See, pride makes us take our eyes off Jesus and put our eyes on ourselves. See, pride is, pr- pride is an unhealthy saturation with self. Are you with me? And we live in a culture who just, just exponentiates that saturation of self, doesn't it? Everything in the culture is about me. Well, I, really, it's not about me, it's about him. Are you with me? It's not about me, that's what we think it's about him. And so what what do we do? We've gotta humble ourselves, cause realize this, that all of human history is his story. History is his story. That's what it is. Since the Garden of Eden though, when Adam and Eve saw the fruit and saw what make them wise, they would be like God and they broke the single one, only law in the entire Bible which was one verse, don't eat of that tree. That's it. Ever since then, we have been saturated with self, haven't we? And sin. And pride will pulverize your walk with God. Why? Because we take our eyes off him. I don't know about you, but I can justify pretty much anything that I really want to do. Can y'all? And see, when you when you got your focus on yourself and not on God, it's easy. Why do we raise hands? Because it signifies surrender. Why, why, do we, why is our posture of prayer on one knee? Why? Because, man, we are in submission. The posture, the position of our hearts is broken. Why? So we can be saturated with the Holy Spirit. The deal is that we've got to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God and then he will exalt us in due season. Are you with me? You got to humble yourselves. What's number one? Number two, we got to pray. We got to pray. Prayer is the precursor to every great move of God. Why? Because prayer acknowledges our desperate need for God. Are you with me? And see, your, your prayers change when you're desperate. Anybody with me praying desperately for Kim Whitehead to be healed? I right, come on, Is anybody I'm, I'm desperate for God to move on that. If, you're, if your child was on their deathbed, would you would you just pray a now lay me down to sleep kind of prayer? bag of peanuts at my feet? Is that how you'd pray? No, you would be pounding on the door of heaven, wouldn't you? Oh, God, I'm, you'll confess every sin you might have ever even thought about doing. You'll be begging God, forgive me, God. Oh, please, God, take my life. No, wouldn't you? See, we, see. why don't we pray with desperation for God to move? Because it's just not big a deal. Is that right? Listen, I'm, I'm trying to be calm because I could jump up and down and run and spit and slobber this sermon and trying to be really cool about it. See, if your kid was sick, you'd pray desperately. Let me tell you what it does. It would increase your time in prayer. Is that right? It would certainly increase the intensity of your prayers. It would increase the desperation of your prayers. It would increase the dependence of your prayers. It would increase the brokenness of your heart. Does this make sense? So I I want to challenge you this weekend that thousands of promisers will start pounding on the door of heaven for a Holy Ghost, heaven sent, Revival to land in all nine campuses, every family, every group, every ministry would light us up, revive us with the life of God. may so want some of that? Man, I don't know about you, but I do. So number one is what? Number two? Number three is seek my face. Now here's the deal. If we could, if we could just sort of dissect, if we could, most of our prayer life, See, most of our prayer life is, is, not see, is not seeking his face, we're seeking his hand. If we were to take and parse and, and get down in your prayer life, it would be about, God, I need you to do this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. And this. I need you to bless, 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 bless. Touch, 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 touch. Give, 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 give. Move, 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 move. Oh, I love you, God, I'll see you. Is that accurate? Come on, I'll get in your prayer closet with you. Is that accurate? Sure it is. You see what, what but what, what is pray, what, what is it when we seek his face? It's sweet communion with the Holy Spirit. It is sweet fellowship with God. It is, it is incredible intimacy. Jesus died on the cross not to start a religion, not just to wipe away your sins. He died on the cross so you could have intimacy with the Father. Does that make sense? We should be different. It get, we, when we seek his face, we get to know his heart. We, we begin to walk with him. It begins to call us to our prayer closet more. We begin to seek the face of God. Why? Because we need him, and we need him in America. We need him at Faith Promise. We've seen seasons of incredible growth, and we've seen God do. We're, we're on track to baptize more people this year than any year in the history of Faith Promise Church. But you know what? It's sort of common now, isn't it? Come on. Well, it's going to be great this weekend. I wonder what they'll do. I, don't, I, don't, I wonder what time kickoff is. I, I don't. Are you with me? Or is it, is it, or is this me? See, so many of us are so distracted, so pulled away. And can I tell you the greatest move in the history of the kingdom of God is happening right now? There are more people that have been born again in the last generation in China than people live in the United States of America. It's incredible what God has done when the Iron Curtain fell. It's incredible what God is doing in Central and South America. It is incredible what God is doing. But you know what? We're, we're, just, we're like those in the book of Revelations. We're, we're rich and have need of nothing. But you do not know that you're wretched, and poor, wretched poor, miserable, blind, and naked. We need God. Are you with me? God can do more at Faith Promise in five minutes than me preaching for 50 years. I can't cut the spigot on and I can't cut the spigot off. See revival increases the romance with God. I don't know about you, but I love God more than life, more than Michelle, more than my kids, more than you, more than this church. I love God more than anything on the planet. See, may feel that way. See, when revival comes, and it see when revival comes, that romance is kicked up, and his his spirit of God has free reign. So, more and more souls will come to Jesus. That's why every great revival has been one of the marks is thousands, if not millions, of people come to the Lord. Remember, Jonah, the big fish swallowed him. Didn't want to go do that revival meeting. The spit, the fish puked him up on the beach of Nineveh. He preaches 120,000 people from the king down to the poorest, all surrendered and said, Je- Jeho- Jehovah, Yahweh is God. All of them. One of the most incredible revivals, he didn't even want to go. He, he didn't want to do it. It increases souls. It increases God's glory in us. I don't know about you, but I want to I be like Moses coming off the mountain and I want to I walk out of my quiet time and it looked like I got a million watt bulb in me. Are y'all with me? That, that people's, what's what just happened to you? Well, I've been with God. We're rubbed off. His kingdom is with us. Not my will be done, but your will be done. Your will on earth is, is in heaven, God. Your kingdom, your will. Does this makes sense? So what's the most, if God could grant you one request, what would it be? one request if god said chris i'll do one thing faith promise i don't even have to think sin revival sin revive see in america we're down to what roy fish he's passed away taught seminary forever what roy fish said he said this in america we're down to minimalistic christianity that's where the people that name the name of jesus drop by church once a month don't give don't serve and are so consumed with this world, that's what I call minimalistic Christianity. Are y'all with me? And, and can I tell you? Listen, what we need a radical, spirit-filled, sold-out, word warriors. Listen, young adults, millennials, and the next generation, they're not going to a church that just talks about God. We shouldn't have to say We should know God was in the house. Are you with me? It should just be there. We, we've got to get hungry for God. Let me give you one more thing. What's number one? Number two, number three, number four, turn from your wicked ways. Isaiah chapter 35 has become a favorite verse this year. A highway will, build there, uh, will be there, a roadway, it'll be called the highway of holiness. The unclean will not travel on it, but it will be for him who walks that way and fools will not be uh, wander on it. No lion will be there, no vicious beast. It'll be the redeemed of the Lord. Man, there's a highway of holiness Listen, folks, what makes what what should make us di- what should draw people to God is the difference in our lives. It is the difference that draws those that are far from God to God. Are you with me? We're now trying to be like the world instead of being of the, in the world, but not of the world. Does this make sense? In an atmosphere of supernatural revival, we cannot sit comfortably in our sin. Because Ephesians 4, 30 says this, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed marked unto the day of redemption. See, when the revival's happening, we have a far more keen awareness of our sin. Now, let me be very clear. Matter of fact, I wanna write, let me be very clear. No matter where you are on your spiritual journey, we love you. Do you hear that? We what? We what? You don't have to look like us. You don't have to act like us. You don't have to believe like we believe. You are welcome and love in Jesus' name. Did you get that? Somebody help me. Did y'all get that? (laughs) But if a Christ follower can sit in sexual sin week after week after week and be okay, if a Christ follower can view porn week after week after week, if you can disobey God's word and know that you're walking in disobedience, if you can harbor bitterness and hate and resentment and anger week after week after week at Faith Promise Church, if you can sit in our worship experiences and not be deeply convicted and transformed, then at Faith Promise we have a problem. Are you with me? And honestly, if people could sit here week after week and there's no conviction of sin, then I have failed you everybody's welcome but how many people are just are, are having affairs how many people are shacked up how many people are living homosexual sin all across all our campuses hey, your loved. doesn't mean we'll love you but if you can sit there and it doesn't bother you then we have a deep problem so God says if you'll do those four things then I'll do three I'll hear from heaven amen I will I'll forgive your sin, and I will heal your land. That's revival. It's restoration, new life. It is, it, is, it is restoration of relationships. It is renewal in how we think. It is walking in God's glory, God's deliverance, God's miracles. Listen, I'm not mad at a soul. I love you. Are you with me? But we can just sit and bask in our sin. There's a problem. I'm asking some, prom- some promisers this month, four weeks of revival to, to just covet with me to pray for God to do something incredible. Now, if you don't know Jesus, your, your first step is not to humble yourself. Well, it is, is to humble yourself and, and, and open your heart up to Jesus. So if you're ready to open your heart up and give your heart to Jesus at all of our campuses, if you're ready to begin a relationship with God, have your sins wiped away and start, can I just take the greatest thing in all the universe could ever happen to you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Commend my heart. Be my Lord. Help me live for you. Walk the highway of holiness. Revive me in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Come on, all God's people said. Now, make one more comment. We live in America in what I now call a hyper-grace culture. And in this hyper-grace culture, we now no longer wanna talk about sin, we just wanna talk about grace. Listen, if there's no sin, there's no need for grace. And when you take sin away, there's no need for the gospel either. We, we don't ever get big enough or strong enough or holy enough that we can just abet sin. Remember, I meant to do a study this week. I would say it's one of the most used words in all of the Bible is sin. It may be used more times than God is because the book is about human nature and we've all fallen, haven't we? We're all in this boat together, not better than anybody. And so, it's incredible. If you just gave your heart to Jesus, if you'll take the communication card, fill it out, check the circle that says, I am making a first time decision to follow Jesus, then just go ahead and check the next one. I need to follow Lord and Believer's baptism like you've seen in this service. I would encourage you, hey, I gotta go to Next Steps. You say, but it's week four, doesn't matter. Go to week four, then one, two, three. Next Steps is your, this week, it's, it's at 615 at Pelissippi. It's at eleven thirty at all of our all of the campuses. And me. just on Sunday. You can go. You can stick around. And it, we're really talking about how to live large. How to live large. How to how to walk out of a self centered life that God wants you to. And so I love you. I promise I'm not mad. But I'm believing that God is going to light us up in Jesus' name. Does anybody believe that with me? So. Now, as we get ready to worship through giving, our, just the generosity journey, you guys are incredible. Last week, I showed you a picture of what was going on in India. This week, let me show you a short clip of, of just a tremendous friend of mine from Manah Church in Fayetteville that was hit right with the eye. It's a really terrible video, but, but you guys, because of generosity, we've given a ton of money so that they could provide space and, and help people with the gospel.
1: Hey, everybody, what you're looking at behind me is not the Cape Fear River. You say, well, no, that's, that's the Cape Fear. This is water from the Cape Fear River, but the Cape Fear River is technically several hundred yards away. You can see over here the, their old railroad bridge. is our, The water's up to it, and all the junk that's floating down the Cape Fear is piling up there. It's going to make matters worse. By tomorrow morning at 6 o'clock, this whole thing is going to be, full. it's going to crest. It's going to be everywhere. Um, you know that we are running a shelter. Thank you for your help. We couldn't do this without you. We're also initiating what we call relief efforts. In other words, we're gonna distribute water and food and help people with their homes. We're gonna muck homes, and as you know, that does not mean put muck in their homes. It means get muck out of their homes. So we're in the process of putting that all together. We're working with the city. Um, The shelter is going really, really well. Again, thank you for your service. We couldn't do it without you. But this water is gonna be all the way up here and beyond by 6.15 tomorrow. So thank you. Your contribution, most of all your prayers, Um, God's making a difference here. People are giving their lives to Christ. We're impacting 65 neighborhoods. We're impacting those neighborhoods. So what you gave is making this possible. Thank you. I love you. It's great to have good friends, and I appreciate you being heart friends with us. Thank you.
0: And so because of your generosity, we already sent a large check. The mayor asked Manna to be the point of the spear for all the relief effort in that county, and they obviously said they'd be glad to do so. But again, from India to Fayetteville, to Emerald you to uh, to ministries all over, Knox Air Rescue ministries all over, we partner with, because you give every week. We get to do that, because, amen? And so some of you give for the first time, praise God, hey, Heart for the Harvest is going to be here before we know it. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible. So get ready. You're already having some financial miracles, and then a little little voice says, heart for the harvest. You try to ignore that. I already know that. Come on. Now, you guys are givers, and I thank you. If you're a guest, do me a favor. We don't care about your money. Put your communication card in the bucket when it comes by, and then at you go through the center doors and uh, go to those round tables. We have, a, we have an offering for you. We're thrilled you're with us. God, would you bless this offering? Would you use it in Fayetteville with, with Michael Fletcher and Man Church and other churches all through that? that torn, destroyed place, of that hurricane. God, there are things all around the world and there are things around the corner. Father, would you use us to make an eternal difference? Oh God, would you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you once again in Jesus' name and all God's people said? Give him a shout of praise as we get ready to give.